My name is Mark Copes. I'm Andrew Baxter. And this is... It's <laughs> just puppies with watermelon. Oh, good morning, Copes. How are you? Good morning. I have not noticed the difference in chipperness to be this extreme for a while. <laughs> And it's probably just got, oh, I've got this good. slit of sunscreen, not sunscreen, slit of sun coming through the blind and it's on my face. It looks like I'm radiating, but I'm not. It's just the... Oh, right. It looks like a really good... Yeah, it looks like you've got a great, great daylight lighting, in there. It's an actual pain yeah. in the butt because you know how blinds go... Like, you got the square of the window and the blinds go really close. Well, it, it can never get the little slit right at the end. And Dummy McGee over here set up his screen. So, like, literally every day when I sit here at this time of the day, the sun... Is oh, it's so annoying. I could just I could move everything across five centimeters, but now that I've got all the wiring set up, all the stands set up, everything set up, I don't want to touch it just in case. So it's- imagine living in a country where you've got too much sun <laughs> and it's now such a problem. Imagine sounds yeah sounds horrible uh, with it being us. Mm-hmm. At least this time we're recording, so we're recording in my morning. At least this time it's light outside before we've even started so that's an improvement on two months ago uh but it's still pretty chilly because oh because coming into your summer isn't it How interesting. spring yeah How interesting. Like, this is meant to be spring it's quite late in march you know i've been reading this book um, it's about like mornings and it had an effect on me it's only a small book even though most of it i was like yeah yeah blah 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 but he was all about um, the dawn choruses, which is like when apparently, I don't know, the sun comes out and then the birds start doing their thing. And it's just the time when like it goes from dead quiet to you start to hear that the birds chirp up and they start their days. And these dawn choruses apparently a pretty cool thing. And so like these bird watchers uh, like to see it over the year and when they holiday somewhere else, they'll all get up super early and just to see what the local – birds are doing and the mi- migration patterns like you'll see some types go for a season and then come back and i don't know why i'm not going to be that person to see it but i find it very very interesting they explained it like an attractive thing like if you're a bird watcher i don't think i'm a bird watcher but if i was i think i would be right in it like deep into it are you a bird watcher? No, I've I've seen birds in the past, but I'm not. <laughs> I've I've noticed them. <laughs> I'm aware of their presence. You can say that about a lot of things. Where if if I was into this thing, I could be really into it. I can see how that's the case with some things, such as bird watching. There's an element of it that's outside of your control. In that you can't just uh, you can't yeah. If you want to go and see a particular bird, so you can search for a picture of it on the internet, but that doesn't really count. So you've got to actually go and see it in person. And my, I guess it would be similar, very similar to train watching, except the difference is with train watching, you know when stuff's going to happen. But the other thing you also know is that with train watching, you have the potential to get the set. The set? Well, you could do all of them, can't you? Because you've got a list of all the trains. Whereas with birds, like whilst you have a list of all the birds, some of them are extinct. Uh, mm-hmm. And other ones like you might never see. Uh, the, uh, the kind of person who would go on a holiday just to see a single type of bird. Well, I mean, I can't say if that's much different from an outside perspective as the things I've gone on holiday to do. I like this idea that birds and trains are like Pokemon. Like it's got to catch them all. Oh, yeah. Get some XP. I've, I've, I've been enjoying the mornings lately. I've been doing, I'll give you a quick update. 
I was uh, going because I think what, what was the last time I talked to you about my mornings? I think I mentioned about the stretching app. Oh, yes, you did mention the stretching app. Yes, that's where oh, we cool. were last time. Well, uh, I I would some would call it falling off the wagon. I may have fallen off the wagon and resorted to 8 a.m. wake-ups. <laughs> and there was a period in my life where I'm not proud. There's a good few weeks where I just I wasn't friends with the alarm. But then I realized that I'm just I've just gone too hard. Even though it's five minutes a week, I've gone too hard. And six, six I was able to do, six AM, but five fifty-five, gee, that's just five fifty-five is a lot earlier than five minutes before six for me, mentally. I know you got up at six this morning for this. <laughs> I think you, you you might be on something there. I find if I'm getting up before six, I I should point out I don't get up at six normally. But if I get up just before for six, occasions. then that's like something. Yeah, that's that's the case. Of, I'm, I would not be up this early normally unless I'm doing something very specific, going somewhere or um, doing something. Uh, so there is there is definitely a mental aspect to how we that together like if you there's also a side to it if i was going to get up at five to six i feel like there's not much difference between that and getting up at 4 30 i know that in reality there actually is it's a lot harder <laughs> to get up earlier uh-huh. but in my head when i'm planning together if i'm if i'm saying oh, i need to get up at five to six or 4 30 i'm still going to be setting the alarm having very similar feelings i'd agree yeah even though that's like a good 90 minutes almost 85 minutes it's uh, very different. It's quite a long time, yeah. Like if I was to notice that in the morning, I I could have someone, yeah, get woke up before thirty, and then someone go, "That's it, you got another hour and a half." I would definitely appreciate that. But if I if I having to get up at half five like I did this morning, I'm not gonna in the morning. I'm not gonna go. Oh well, do you know what? Thank God I'm not getting up an hour ago. <laughs> Thank God I'm not more tired. No, so that's uh, that's the thing at the moment. Six, and I've been still doing the stretching. That's been good. And uh, how else? Because it? it's pretty. It pretty much is that for us in our season. That straddle between dark and light. It is pretty cool to see the day come into effect before uh, before the apartment neighbors wake up. But um, so things have paused. We're not getting to five a.m. anytime soon. But we're just going to sit at six and see how we feel about it. I found there's always something. Slightly ethereal about being up ridiculously early in the morning, especially when it's actually light at that time. Mm-hmm. In the in the summer, when it's light at about four o'clock in the morning, if you're up at that time, it feels just different. Yeah, like they were saying in this this uh, the book where like a park at ten a.m. when everyone's awake, dogs are running around, shitting everywhere. It's just normal day. You get at that park at five a.m. when it's misty and it's dead quiet and no one's around. It's a different world. And I think I agree. Yeah. Suddenly, someone else jogging in the park feels like a threat. A zombie. Yeah, exactly. That's why I always carry a knife at 5 a.m. Just say, if there's no one else around, how do you know there hasn't been a zombie apocalypse? Yep. I agree. Well, the stab first, ask questions later. That's what my motto is when I go walking. (laughs) (laughs) How is life after lockdown? Now you're back. Are you back out of lockdown now? Oh, that's right. Yeah, lockdown last time. Um, yeah, remember that thing that happened in your life, which was I'm going to hope it was a big event as opposed to what it sounds like, where it was just an idle inconvenience. So weird here because it happened. Everyone played fair, did all the did all the right thing, 
And then, you know, the, the on the TV, they're like, everyone's, we got these QR codes at every place you go to and you meant to, because we had this tracking app, but people, I guess, raised privacy concerns and they didn't want to share their location. And I don't know, people had a kick to fuss about it, but QR codes, apparently they're okay with that. So they had QR codes everywhere and you had to scan them everywhere you go. And before it was, um, it was the place's responsibility, but after the lockdown, they said, Hey, it's, you know, it's everyone's responsibility. You're just as much your job as it is someone else's. So for a maybe three days, people would what like uh, sanitize their hands and, and scan in. But man, people don't scan in anymore. It's like, even though it's like that long-term, short-term effect, like uh, people are not concerned that, you know, if, if an outbreak happens and they do the tracing and they find out where this person, it could be anyone, where they were for the last two weeks and they'll have incomplete scanning data because that's what everyone's doing, everyone will mm. kick a fuss and say, why haven't they been scanning their patient zero? They shouldn't. They should be more responsible. But, man, so easily forgotten here. It's crazy. It's basically even more back to normal now than it was two months ago. What's what's it like for you guys? Currently, we are on the way, supposedly on the way out of lockdown. We had the roadmap announced sometime in the last month about the plan for res- loosening restrictions. However, the um, we haven't reached... We, so far, all that's really happened is that children have gone back to school nothing in, in England at least nothing else really has happened on Monday or Sunday one of the two we get some more restrictions and I think that means I'm allowed outside to go and play outdoor sport again but it's a bit concerning because Europe's also going through a third wave so we're not really sure what's going to happen but on the plus side a very big positive is that the vaccination program is going rather well in the UK as of yesterday, we were over 27 million people had their first dose. Oh. Which is um, pretty incredible. I think we had 800,000 people vaccinated on Sunday. That's a big line. That is a big line. Well, apparently, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not far enough up the queue to get one yet. Mm-hmm. Although it seems like it won't be too long until I am. Funnily enough, if you actually throw money at things and let a public body get on with it, then it might actually do a good job. The... NHS is running it and it seems that the way it works is that you have, you're given a 10 minute window to turn up and you turn up in at that point and they say, take your name and then it, you know, if you're on the list, but like, like we have a very expensive club, if you're on the list, you go in, <laughs> you get your jab, you leave, which seems like if that's, it seems to be going so well, like I wonder why they couldn't have sorted everything else out this well, hmm. apart from, you know, the inevitable need to sell contracts to your buddies, but that's me getting very cynical and I don't want to get distracted by that. Oh, I'm not sure. What, tell me this contract business. Hmm? What's this contract business you mentioned? Oh, the government's been uh, selling all the public health contracts to their friends and oh, okay. been caught in it. UK. And no one seems to be talking about it. P&W, breaking light into the meta. Just, just, just saying, like, if you've been found to be acting unlawfully in your job, and if I'd done that, I wouldn't still have my job. So why does the Prime Minister and the Health Secretary still have their jobs? Mm. That's what would I know? So it seems that the vaccination program is having a, an effect on the total number of deaths and the total number of hospitalizations because they are now dropping much faster than the cases because the cases are not dropping as much as they were. 
Oh, that's great. So that is that is shining a beacon of hope in what's going on, and hopefully it will continue to be very good. Unfortunately, it seems that Europe is not doing as well with their vaccination programs due to a combination of issues, mostly, I believe, stemming from sourcing them. There's a bit of tit for tat going on where Europe is blaming other countries for not giving them vaccines, and then other countries are blaming Europe for not giving them vaccines, and it's not very helpful. It's also not helpful that apparently on the continent the vaccine uptake is a lot lower really? than it is here. Oh. And we're already we're already talking about how we're trying to encourage more people to take it. But it seems like it might actually hope hopefully, fingers crossed, be on the at the point where in the you know, two or three months we you know, I might be able to go and see my friends again. Which a year ago, because this is now a year since we've actually been in this, I've been working home for working from home for almost exactly a year. If you said a year ago, by the way, you're going to be doing this for a year, we would have said, that's it. That's so nice. We're going to, we'll be back in like three months, right? Yeah, they were kicking a fuss if you said anything towards six months. Like, please, it's impossible. Yeah, well, I was there saying, like, when the London Marathon got moved to October, I was like, this have all blown over one way or another by that point. It'll either all gone horribly wrong and calmed down, or we'll have cracked it, you know, crushed it and suppressed it from the start. Oh, no, turns out. That's not going to happen. Just su- such a long tail, isn't it? It just keeps on going, and we seem to have been in a situation where we like we now we've been in had a stay at home order since January now, and before that, uh, just before Christmas, we had suddenly all the tears got bumped up, and then that's when um, I think it was early January, a national lockdown came back in. So we would we, we were a day away from going away for Christmas we're going to go camping up in the Lake District and then that just didn't happen so we've just been doing nothing for three months again it's crazy it sucks it's so like good for me to hear well it's not good at all for you (laughs) but like uh, we're so out of touch over here and don't think enough is taken for granted like sorry it is taken for granted not not enough um, appreciation because that must be it must be crazy to be stuck in for that long like just seeing family, seeing friends, playing sport, doing activities. It's sort of been a lot of it's come down to, oh, well, I'll wait, I'll wait for that to happen once lockdown's over. Or I'll just wait for something, you know, for everything to open up until I do this again. But that's been happening now for a year where everything's been pushed back a little bit further, pushed back a little bit further. And it really wears you down. Yeah. Any advice that I've heard is that, in, like, whenever you're having a bad day, you just have to realize that, like, it's a really shitty situation that, like, it's going to have effects on you that you don't immediately realize you get stressed about something or like we're not even in your position. And I've got like a short fuse of like thing of problems that I can deal with at any current time that just can't deal with another one. You're like, but why? I haven't got that much on my plate. I'm at home all the time, but it's just the, the background stress of, of something. And that's, you know, that's with us being more normal. I think with the background stress thing, that's definitely built up in that it's more the case of, and it's it's hard to acknowledge this at the time, but afterwards you're able to sort of see it happening where a lot of the thing, the reasons it's been so hard is because it's just been relentless. It's just kept on going, especially when we had the first lockdown. I'd start off with like, it was different. I was working from home. You could, it's not often you can, be a, you know, be a part in your life where you're going. I, th- this is obviously a big, going to have a big impact on history. Like right now, we're going to be talking about this for a long time. But after that, it kind of faded away. Then it started to get boring once, and then everything started to 
sort of open up again and then we thought oh what's going all right and then it closed down again and it's the closing down again that was really painful i think i mentioned this at the time i called this six or seven months ago when i said it's going to be worse when we have to go back and close it down i didn't realize that the the death toll was going to be higher i keep on finding myself having to stop myself saying don't get too upset about things that i haven't done over this time because you'd think to yourself oh if i've got a year to do whatever i want well mm-hmm. not so much whatever if i've got a year to where everything's cancelled i'm going to be you know, do so much more exercising and get so much stuff done around the house and then you tend to get if you get too focused on how much that hasn't happened then it just wears you down even more sure. and you've got to remind yourself that it's just a hard time and that this is not if that's been the case with it, then you know you, you probably had to take a couple of days where you've just done something different, or you've done whatever you whatever takes that fancy that day, just to try and break things up. Especially when I'm spending up to seven days a week just sat in this chair because I work at this desk, and then on Sundays or Saturdays and Sundays, I'll, I'll try and go out for a run or a cycle or something. But a lot of the time, especially in this time of year, I'm indoors. So what do I want to do? Well, I want to play some games or do some painting or something so that means that i'm back here again i'll be trying quite hard to not do that but it's very tricky <laughs> i don't know about you but had someone said a year ago hey uh you're gonna be you know working from home or whatever for this amount of time if there was ever a time to buy an expensive comfortable chair now is it i wish someone had said that then because now i'm like ah I, you know i'm still on my borrow nat's chair when she's not at home or using the dining room chair and at this stage, well, I could spend money on a big chair, but what if the vaccine's coming and things are winding up? I won't need it. You know, like it's so, so annoying because it's like the thing, like buy a good pair of shoes and a good bed because if you're not in one, you're in the other. Turns out you're also maybe in an office chair for a long time if you're an office worker. And mm. by gee, your bum gets sore, I can tell you that much. That's a really good point. I think there's a couple of things I would have changed. When we're starting the show, you know, I said, well, you said, are you ready? And I, I think so. You can hear me. It's because this is the first time that uh, I'm able to work from my setup setup. So usually I'm dismantling Ooh. everything, going into the living room and and it's just a mess. Like I've got the iPad because we're using Skype and i got – little earphones in my ear then i got the big earphones to capture the microphone then i got the laptop next to me they're both plugged on extension cords uh they're propped up on chairs it's just a shit show and here because i've got the this set up and the mic set up now for twitch it's literally just we open up zencaster it's got video and audio that's it. <laughs> it's amazing. We're using your sick streamer setup now. Aren't oh, we? I love it. It's not even that sick, but it's just plugged in. That's the benefit. And <laughs> I don't have to move. Speaking of Twitch, how has that been going? I think I have a problem. It's uh it's really fun. I love it. I'm not I think I'm in the wrong time zone for you to catch it because this would probably be the latest I'm going to, and it's the early morning for you. So it's not UK. Yeah, not UK friendly. I think it's a bit, it's a little bit too early for me to catch it first thing in the morning, but I've, I think I've oh, caught maybe late at night. the very tail end of one, but sometimes I'll watch one uh-huh. uh, yeah, just after it's finished. So but I think with, with streaming, it's very much a pull of it is that it's live. So a big attraction of it is that you actually are watching it at the time. As soon as you're not watching it live, it's like live sport. It uh-huh. loses a little bit of the shine. You just skip through. Yeah, it's part of it's just being in the moment. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been really fun. Like I just recently got, uh, reached the affiliate status, which is kind of a semi big achievement. Well, for me personally, it took like a 130 hours of streaming. So it was a kind of a 
process. But fortunately for me, so a lot, I guess a lot of people struggle with it because they're like, what am I going to stream? It's because it's kind of a sunk cost. Like it's a wasted, like 130 hours. That's well, like a month of full-time work doing something. And that's a lot of nothing to show for if, uh, if that's how long it takes. I'm sure it takes other people quicker. But uh, fortunately for me, you know, I've always got comic strips to draw. Like that's my hobby. So it, uh, that's all I did for the longest time. I only just started playing some games now, which has been super fun. But um, yeah, so that's just unlocked a, a bunch of stuff that i got to learn now. Like uh, it unlocks channel points and people can subscribe and add roles and all this kind of stuff that makes streaming more appealing for the, the streamer because they can kind of get a bit of payback for um, the time. But it's been cool. Like uh, I thought going in it would be me putting on the camera and then just drawing, but it ends up being just like you get to know the people, like there's some regulars and you get to like come friends with them. And even though I'm the one talking and they're typing, it's kind of got that chat room, old school vibe. And, uh, and I dig it. It's, uh, it's really fun. Like this will, I'll put this recording out on um, one day. I've kind of been doing these uh, like re- uh, release day streams. So I like, I'll play the audio and sit there and, and type with anyone who's seeing. So uh, that's fun. We'll have to find a, a time when we can both be on there, get our webcams up and, yeah. and chatting away. But um, I think I said that last Do time. premiere yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's some cool things happened recently. Like um, I just started playing this game called Bullet Cell. I think that's what it's called, Bullet Cell. And it's this um, top-down, it's like Battle Royale, King of the Hill, all those types of games. Bullet Echo, sorry. And it, But it's top-down uh, view. So usually in a 3D, you can't see through a wall. You might hear their footsteps. But have visual representations of things you would see. So if someone's running, you'll see their footsteps on the map and your range of, if you're running, your your cone of firing is wider, so less effective. If you get upgrades and you can shoot longer, your your funnel goes longer. I don't know. It's a cool uh, concept of taking a 3D shooter to a 2D. And uh, yes, I've just been playing that and People have been searching for it because they're also playing it. And because you've got your thing on the screen, they can join your team. Next minute, you're playing with them on your team and chatting on the chat on the Twitch. It's, it's interesting that we've got now to this point where, if you think about it, like how long ago would it have been that actually having someone, uh, it's, it's not that long ago before the idea of watching someone play a game was unheard of. It was completely unusual. I, I suppose, I, I would imagine that this kind of thing has been happening since you know, arcades were a thing. People uh-huh. would go and watch people play games there. But now it's more accessible, so actually it's happening more often. But it, it, there must be something to how with Twitch you're actually able to engage with the creator now. So that must be adding a whole new level. We're used to sort of, if you're in a creative arts medium, like if like they're being only the very, very top are able to make it work because there's just you, know, you need to have distribution or whatever so there's you know there's a natural bottleneck but with this it seems like part of the appeal is actually having the engagement with the consumers so that means that there's now like a reverse bottleneck in that one person can only have so much engagement that's true yeah like uh i only have like half a dozen at a time watching but that's great for me because it's 
I, I mean, I don't personally know why they're watching, but because uh, I don't think I'm entertaining, but I can understand <laughs> because I watch other people and they're entertaining. So it's just because you can't see it from yourself. But it's, uh, yeah, there there is. And some people will search for streamers that have less viewers because there is that interaction. Like I was at a buddy's place and he, I didn't realize we were watching on TV and he had typed in chat, oh, say hi to my buddy Mark. And the guy while streaming, you know, he's got, I can't remember, thousands of people watching and he says, oh, hey, Mark, I uh, hope you're enjoying this stream. And sounds lame, but it was awesome because it was basically TV and it's this real t- – it's – I don't know. It's it's so lame but so awesome at the same time. I, and the, the people are super nice. Like I've never like uh, – it's not like a Facebook or an Instagram where – while they're cool, it's, that's very one way. Maybe people will comment, but generally people are scrolling. But this, it's uh, everyone's super friendly. Like uh, everyone's there for the just for entertainment or to support people. And there's a, a few cool things. So, like, I've just unlocked this thing called channel points, which means when you watch someone, if you mm. watch them for time, I think you get about 220 points per hour. It's a very weird number, but you can redeem them for items and items could be the people get to choose what the items are and um so if some gamers they might be like if someone redeems this item which is the equivalent of i don't know 45 minutes of watching you have to drop whatever weapon you're holding so they could wait for this key moment when they've got this uh very important they got this great weapon and then they need to take someone down and all of a sudden they just have to drop it for no dumb reason it just like uh, it's that <laughs> that's the kind of interactivity that it has where it uh where it makes makes things interesting so it that's a cool feature a lot of cool features like that like rating i'm not sure if i told you about rating you take your group of people after your stream and you raid another stream which means suddenly that person's just been streaming. Maybe they got one person watching. Maybe they got a hundred. I don't know. But your whole party all of a sudden is in the stream and everyone's typing at raid and putting emotes and stuff and just flooding the text. And they're just like, what the hell's just happened? Where are these people come from? And it's uh, when it happens to you, it's happened to me a couple of times and it's awesome because you might go from three people watching to 20 and they're engaged. They're wanting you to do something cool. I don't know. It's cool. Such a unique thing. That doesn't happen on YouTube. Nothing good happens on YouTube. <laughs> so moral of the story, I think they got a lot of good things going for it. And it's kind of suiting me at the moment. I've got a lot of things I want to draw and play. So uh, while I'm at home, I'll keep going and, and seeing if people people keep turning up. But it's fun. I feel like it's an unknown medium still. Uh-huh. In a way that... But it's like everything else, such as with YouTube or podcasts. It's hard to tell. Is it over the peak or is it still before the peak? Is it going to keep on getting bigger? Uh-huh. Yeah, I or don't think it's hit. Is it already started to climb? We just can't tell. I definitely feel like uh, like lockdowns have, sorry, have helped. A lot of probably new streamers have come on. That's the only reason I'm on it. And by it's very oh, i've heard this about writing and it's i think it's the same with twitch it's very insidious but for a good reason so like if you think if you are writing a book you know you say you've written one book in your life but you've bought a thousand so the more books that are in the system the better the ecosystem is because just say a million people have written one book now a million times a thousand books have been sold like it's uh 
the more people are writing and more people are buying. And it's kind of the same with Twitch, it seems, where a lot of viewers are also streamers. So I hardly watched it. But now that I'm, I get how the system works and I'm streaming myself, I'm way more inclined to check out other people's streams. So, like, uh, as it gets popular, it, it kind of, it's it's not uh, it's not zero sum basically it's the opposite of zero sum one sum I don't know what that <laughs> many is many sum many sum yeah it's a many sum game where the more people that get into it it just explodes instead of uh, instead of competing I guess it's kind of like, when these things happen it's quite hard to explain to picture when we go back and say how could I explain this to someone ten years ago before it existed like how can I it seems really odd to say oh. In the future, there's going to be a point where people just stream. Like the idea of streaming was unheard of. Where you'd be like, you're going to have it's going to be so easy to broadcast what you're doing that people are going to be doing it from their bedrooms, and it's going to be actually a point now where to a point where the infrastructure exists that you can stream, you can broadcast to six people, uh-huh. and not in a 1920s as in that's how many people can afford TVs sort of way, uh-huh. but in a that's actually there's just so many streams available. It seems odd that part of the reason that this thing's come about is because of actually too much content was happening. So when we have uh, yeah, 500 channels on television or something, I think Americans have even more. I don't really know how many they have and what cable like, would be. You'd think like that, that must create a decline in content, but it seems weird that the way to actually get that sort of engagement back is to go, that's it, we're just going to have more content. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem like a solution, um, but it could be. Yeah. We'll have more people creating more content, but that actually means that you do have engagement. You have a situation where it's more personal, and you can also have something so more, so much more niche. And with these sorts of things, like if you're watching a streamer, you can have a very personal relationship, or you can feel like you have a very personal relationship. And it's one of those situations where someone you might watch someone, and I've done this with things like podcasts, where you feel like you know this person, but obviously you don't. Hundred percent. And then, yeah. for example, when a year ago, Hello Internet just stopped. Uh, that it's it's an odd place to be in where this thing that used to be there just, just kind of just disappears and it's like a person it's like a friend you don't talk to anymore uh-huh. um, I didn't realise they stopped uh, they're on hiatus mm-hmm. but that's the scary word concerned. for webcomics and it must be now for podcasts yeah mm. it's uh, it's the kind of thing where by their nature something along the lines of a YouTube channel or a podcast because they're serial they can just keep on going they don't have to have seasons they don't particularly have to have uh, an overlying story or anything so they can they can just keep on going but at some point they're going to have to stop mm-hmm. and I think that's going to be something that we're only sort of just having to start to deal with where we're going to end up with this graveyard of I say great it makes it sound a bit more grim than it is but we're going to end up with just this huge amount of content of stuff that's happened mm-hmm. but when it was created part of its appeal was how current it was mm-hmm. such as if hello internet never releases another episode it's still there there's still people who haven't heard it who are going to go back and listen to it and go back and listen to all 140 odd episodes but they're not gonna unless it does start releasing again that you're not gonna it's gonna feel very different like like how we might view a television show from which is from when we were either very young or before we were born if you watch a television show like that you can watch the whole thing in one go or it, it doesn't even have to be that old it just has to be a TV show I watched um, Shit Creek 
What's your language? A month ago. Mm-hmm. It was, and it's a really good show, but, but I feel like I, I would have experienced it very differently to someone who's watched it as it came out compared to when I watched it in a week and a half or mm-hmm. two weeks, however long it took me to watch it. I got quite addicted. <laughs> like you don't consider it at the time, but podcasts or Twitch, even Twitch streamers are going to be like that. There's going to be a point when even the biggest Twitch streamers, when they're, when they're dead. Well, their stream is dead. Let's just say their stream is dead. <laughs> well, well, no, but, but, all right, but so that's, that, if their stream is dead, then that, that, it could be the case that they just want to do something else. What if they want to, you know, retire mm-hmm. or give it another 50 years? What, what what happens to that content when they're actually dead? Like, will Twitch still be around? We don't know. It's going to, well, like, what's going to happen to Puppies and Watermelon? Like, what, Puppies and Watermelon in 50 years, is it still going to be something that you can go and find? Or, so, like, what happens if, say, SoundCloud exactly. isn't a thing? Like, every, everything's owned by a company, and at one point, it either gets bought out or it goes bust. And, it's hard to know how long, like SoundCloud seems like a big company, but just like so many of them, so many of them aren't making profits. So how long can that charade happen? You know, like even if SoundCloud was bought out by Facebook, like what eventually, the, the only thing you can really do is keep a hold of all your things. So luckily we have, you know, we backed up all our recordings, but, um, you know, that's the only, the fail safe really. It's, it's so weird because TV, like you've had, you know, s- decades of TV, but it's not stored anywhere. People aren't, they're just, they're gone. They were shown and they were gone. And uh, you're right. There's just so much, so much stuff out there. It's so weird, isn't it? Like we've got backups of our earliest shows so I could potentially go back and remaster them all. I've got some cut segments that you sort of sit there and go, maybe I'll do something with them one day. But then some of the biggest moments in television, they haven't got the original masters for. Mm-hmm. The amount of classic albums where they go, we haven't got the original masters because we reused the tape. This is what I'm so scared of. Like I've got right behind me a whole cupboard drawer full of CDs and I haven't touched them for five, ten years. But I'm scared. I'm scared to throw them out because... CDs degrade as well. You know what, sorry? CDs degrade. Oh, well, there you go. They're not even it's safe a, then. It's, it's amazing how uh, we think if you save something on your hard drive, you think of it as it's in a safe location and it's going to stay there. But actually, uh, digital media is very volatile. volatile. <laughs> yeah. Well, compared to something like, I, I can't remember where I saw the scale, but the scale was basically if you want to store some data, the way to make it last longest is, I think, is to etch it in stone. <laughs> Like, if you engrave a word in stone, it's likely to be there for a very long time, potentially thousands of years. If you save something on a hard drive, it's only guaranteed for something like five years. Well, I mean, that's... Which, a, at the time you save it... That's why we've got that, that stone cutter working for us, because we've got transcriptions of this is available in the show notes and in a tablet oh, yeah. lab. So, uh, you can... And I'm recording onto wax cylinder as well at the same time, so just... We're covered. We're covered. Forget garage bands and backups. <laughs> but it's so odd that digital media preservation is, is going to become more of a thing where it's like all these all these massive data server farms that are just storing data. Just this morning I had an email from Google saying, by the way, you're using up a bit too much of your storage. <laughs> Say that. Uh, presumably they would like me to spend more money with them. 
that it sort of prompts me into thinking, is it, is it time that I started archiving some of this myself? Or do I need to just sort of let some of it go? Because there's undoubtedly some stuff in there that is just either a silly photo that I sent once as a message that I've saved somewhere because of the settings of my phone, or it's like with all the recordings I have for Puppies and Watermen, which I think makes up a sizable chunk yeah, because it's just sure a it lot does. of recordings. Because each episode we record for 90 minutes, an hour, two hours. That's two people recording. Then we have to save that to a separate file, which I then edit down. And then we have the final file, which is an hour or a bit longer. And we've now got 55 of those. This is the 56th episode. And I've already condensed it once. I can't remember how many episodes, but it's still a huge amount of data. And you're looking at it going, where should I be storing this? And that's just one example. How much other bits of our lives we're going to get to point? Like when we're clearing out my grandparents' house, we've got all these old photos around this room, actually. All these old photos and things. But when that happens to us, it's going to be like, well, there's this hard drive. Yeah, it's not going to be even a, on it. We can't get in it. <laughs> it's not a suitcase of photos. You've got a hard drive. You've got a Google Photos account. You've got a Flickr account. You've got the Facebook timeline. You've got all these different digital assets. Like we're going to have to hand over a, a digital passport and our one password master key <laughs> to let them access everything. It's going to be like how part of your part of your will is just will going to be. Is your do I want you to have? Uh, here is my password or. Here is a authentication key to delete everything. I don't know. Like, it's what do we do? Because also at that point, if you continue it, all of this data storage is actually very intensive in how much resources it takes. We are storing so much data. I think isn't data doubling every two years or something? Oh, no doubt. The amount of data in the world, an absurd amount of data is happening. How much of this are we actually going to keep on? using good thing it's not our problem it kind of it kind of it isn't is. because it is and isn't well for personally like what are you going to do with your own data so i, I we should we recommend things on here like we've recommended to parcel managers before but also how how do you scripts how do you store your photos that's uh at the moment so it's all back in the day there was you know a few physical realm reels and then there were some digital cameras that didn't access the internet so there's a hard drive or an old laptop somewhere that probably has about five years of photos that haven't been seen but then once there was a phone that i had a google account on from then on it's pretty much been google photos i i thought about for a while at one point i had i have the google photos and then i have it synced so drive syncs with my computer. So my hard drive is technically in the cloud and then I back up my computer onto a physical hard drive. <laughs> so it's it sounds overkill, but that's kind of the way it is. It's got a physical backup, cloud backup, and they, they kind of sync with each other. But um, yeah, like that's so much data for one one dumb human. It's, it's a lot of stuff. And it, I've, I, would have, I would put a large amount of money on saying that you are – a lot more prepared than the vast majority of people. Yeah. Especially even our age. I'd say there's a lot of people who just don't look after their data as well. And that but you're storing in at least two different places. So that's oh yeah, that's good. You've got you got uh redundancy there. If one of those sources fails, you've still got your data. It's like a weird hopeful thing where you're like uh you know, 
they've they've found all the scribblings of J.R. Tolkien. Isn't it so cool that he he kept all these little scraps of bits of paper where he had his ideas? And there's a little mark thinking like, what if one day someone finds my hard drive and finds all this amazing things that he was up to and they find it so fascinating? But let's be honest, all our shit's boring and some future person is going to be like, this was bad. So there's a part of me that that wants to like ah oh, maybe my time isn't now maybe my time is in a hundred years and and it'll be the Elvis Presley of the future but that's here nor there like if if I'm not going to use it why do I need a backup you know I could see the argument where someone's like just live in the moment take photos enjoy it you don't need them after I think I, I would imagine that by having photos so easily, no, not accessible. But by by making photo, you know, taking photos so easy, and in a way storing them is still pretty easy. Now we're kind of losing them a lot. So we don't. Ha- I, I haven't had a physical photo album. I don't think I've ever really made one in my life. But I, part of my like ambition is to go through my existing photos and actually curate them a little bit. Maybe maybe not so much tidy them up, but just sort of know what's there and. Mm-hmm have some semblance of order to it so it might be usable because it, as it is all it tends to be right now is that every maybe once a month probably even less some i'll have some conversation or some memory where i'll think of something very specific happened that happened a certain time ago and yes with systems like google photos i'm able to go back find that time and go look here's a photo from said story but i have to scroll through a lot of crap <laughs> it is cool that you can search photos it is good to do that i think by having it so easy to just store a thousand photos or more we sort of lost this the sense of here's the special ones i mean i know there's actually bits inside these programs where we can go and create albums mm-hmm. and they're called albums and we can go and put them together and actually have this. But I don't get around to that. That's the great thing about the finite ability of like a reel of film where you have like, what is it, 24 shots or whatever. So you're on holiday, mm. maybe you have a couple of reels if you're a smarty pants. And then you get your what, after your holiday, your 24, 48 photos and you make your album from the best of those. Like that's an achievable, curatable amount of photos to create a highlight realm. Whereas you may go on a photo and you like on a holiday or a weekend away and you'll come back with hundreds of photos. I do old photo albums of holidays where you're like, and this is just a rock. <laughs> it's not a particularly interesting photo. I thought it was going to come out better. What it actually is, is this is me in front of a rock. This is me in front of a church. This is me in front of a view. This is me. Just me. This is a selfie. This is me with someone else. <laughs> this is when I pressed the button whilst I was trying to get ready for a photo. So I just managed to get a picture of my knee. And then when I tried to take the actual photo, it had already gone. So <laughs> I did that one time on our uh, Japan trip a while ago now. And it was, I think it was one of the first times I had a digital camera. Sorry, a digital like camera on a phone kind of thing. And this is when I was doing a blog on Cow Texas. And I had this blog that had all my photos from my trip. And I said like, oh, I want to show these great things but I accidentally didn't realize that I had the selfie, like the front camera activated. And so like <laughs> everywhere I went to, like uh, Disneyland and like all the all the Japanese tourist attractions, Tokyo and the, the busy, busy street crossing, I just had a photo of like me, like really looking really intensely one-eyed <laughs> at it. And so I got this, this, I don't know where the post is now, but it was cool fun. I had a good dozen photos of just me looking dumb at a camera thinking and I had a few people believe I put it on Reddit and they uh a few people got fooled which is cool but uh let it be known that I actually got real photos 
I had this thing. Uh, have you seen the Eiffel Tower? No, I have not. Oh. Oh, I just wasn't sure if you'd been. Like, uh, it's for those that don't know what the Eiffel Tower is, it's this very large thing in Paris. Best description ever. But when we first went there, I was visiting there with family on a little trip with the folks and brother. And we were going to see it on one day, but we accidentally went there a few days earlier, just on the way that we we're going somewhere. And I, I do, I do lots of dumb things in life. Like just, like I lived in a room under a set of stairs for a good six, 12 months of my life. No reason, just cause like I just do weird things. And the one weird thing that we we're standing underneath, I was like, this feels really big. I didn't look up at it, but I was looking at the shadows. And I'm like, I feel like, this is one of those things where you look at it and it's it's always bigger than you imagine. It's just huge. I said, but we are coming back here in two days' time, so I'm just not going to look at it. So we were there walking around and I just looked at the ground the whole time. Just because I wanted to play a game, I was like, how cool will it be in two days' time when we come back and I get to see it for the first time? It'll really feel special then. It'll feel just huge. And... So we just walked around. It was like there for half an hour and I never looked up. I just looked at the ground and I was like, ah, oh, can't wait till the payoff for this personal satisfaction will be high. This Eiffel Tower will be so impressive to me. No one will truly understand the beauty of this metallic structure. And then like five minutes before we leave, mum's like, are you sure you don't want to look up? I'm like, mum, I'm a grown adult. I've made my decision. I'm going to stick with it. And... <laughs> She's like, what if, what if we don't come back? And I was like, what do you mean we don't come back? Like well, <laughs> the itinerary, like our little itineraries, we're going to come back here in two days and have a look. It's like, well, yeah, but now that we've seen it, we may not, like, I don't know, things could happen. And I panicked. It's like, what if, what will be a greater tragedy? Going all the way over there, <laughs> walking, like, you can't have this conversation at a dinner party. And they'll say, how was power? Great. How's the after hour? Didn't see it. Like it's. Four I had to. And at the end I had to look up and I looked at it and it was amazing. Don't get me wrong. But I, I couldn't. The, the pain of having gone all that way and not seen it outweighed the, the stalling satisfaction that I would have had two days. But so I almost pulled it off. But I'm just dumb. Just dumb. But I encourage anyone, like, it's a pretty hard thing to do if you go to, like, the Grand Canyon with a friend and don't look at it. It's almost impossible, but I recommend it. I'm struggling to think of any time in my life (laughs) I've gone somewhere to go to a place or a thing and thought to myself, do you know what would make this better? Not looking at it. You know what? Explaining it to you doesn't really um, <laughs> doesn't the feelings I had inside don't mirror the story quality that I give to you. And maybe that's why I ended up looking at it because the reality came to me. But uh, I mean, I feel like there's there's usually a said I have a tinge of sadness whenever I go somewhere, and then I think to myself like I might not come back to see this thing. Or but at least whatever. you've seen it. And sometimes it's something very impressive. Oh yeah, I've gone to see this thing, but I'm not ever going back there. So this is the last time I'm going to do this. And that can be a really odd feeling. <laughs> oh, the, before I came here, I was fairly indifferent to it. Now I'm here, I'm looking at it and it's nice. And I've and I've felt this thing. But then, oh, yeah, the sands of time are only overflowing one way. And I'm now never going to experience this again. 
I'm like, why, why do I think that? <laughs> I always have a weird feeling of, of uh, I'm not sure if you've done many international trips back to a, a same place, but th- it's weird that I've been to the Eiffel Tower many times, but you have not. It's, but it's just because we're so far away that when you go to a destination, you see it. So I've been there like I think two or three times just on different trips through Europe, and it's weird that it's like it's exactly the same as you remember it. Like nothing has changed. And I've flown all the way back home and then waited several years and then come all the way back to see the same thing. It's a weird- And it's still there. It's it's a weird, almost wasteful thing. I'm not sure why, but it's just an odd feeling of of seeing the same thing. Because you could literally go anywhere- but you've chosen to see the same thing. Going back to a place you've been before and then going, do you know what? It's still here. And, and being surprised as if it, like, you'll go back to a town you went to a very long time ago and go, oh, look, this thing is still here, but this has changed. It's if you expected as soon as I wasn't here, this place ex- ceased to exist. Uh-huh. Like, I've grown up. Surely the Eiffel Tower's a bit taller, you know? Part of the thing that I had um, after I moved back from Australia was I went to places that... I hadn't been for a re- like so I well, I moved to the place we're currently living when I was ten. So where I lived before that didn't really go back to very much after we moved away. But since moving back, there's been a couple of times where I've just gone there just to go and have a look around. <laughs> I like you just go around and start trying to remember your way around. Like it was there's a certain woods, and I was trying to. Rem- find a certain part of it and I just couldn't remember my way around and I was just like but it's the same place uh-huh how has it changed I mean granted if you're in a wood then the trees all look quite similar because they're all the same type of tree so that makes it a bit tricky but it's interesting like it's interesting how then you'll find a certain bit of it and you'd be like that'll you go that this feels like it's too small. Oh yeah, like uh, I think it's because it's when you're a kid. Because when I go back to the town that I grew up in, you think you'll never forget all the detail. Because I don't know our place, you could ride your bike around everywhere, and so you just you know everywhere, you know everything, you know everywhere, and you go back there now, and you're like, it's so achievable to go every. It's so small, like it's I couldn't. Everything seems. Well, it seemed bigger when you're a kid, obviously, because you're smaller. But you don't realise that things now seem smaller because you're bigger. <laughs> like it's the opposite effect. Well, I used to think it was a long way to school, but now I'll go back there and I'm like, it's two minutes down the road on foot. Like, yeah, I used to get picked up and dropped off, and I'm like, oh, what do you? What a slack little boy! Like it's just a walk, <laughs> walk. Yeah. But yeah, all well, those times I was like, why do I have to walk to school? So and now I look back and go, like, now I know why. It's like 10 minutes. <laughs> Suddenly it makes sense. So we were, uh, I did this uh, this training course at this one place near a rec center, and it must have been a creche or something, like a little kids, and they had like little kid toilets near a little kitchen. And it's, I'm not sure if you've been to like a, uh, I don't know, like a, trying to think of a way that is legit and not me sounding weird, but like- <laughs> I think I know where you're going with this. And I can tell you that one time I did a race where the base was in a primary school. Uh-huh. So the toilets were primary school toilets. Okay. And I had to use one of those before yep. and after a marathon. And it's a long way down. Yeah. Like uh, there are legitimate reasons to be at a primary school toilet. That's basically what they're trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know how to say that, but there are legit, like nothing dodgy here. Marathon. <laughs> 
uh, go back to school tours. All, all normal things that normal people do. You just find yourself. <laughs> Honest, there's a reason I was in there. <laughs> I'm so glad you had a marathon. I didn't know how I was going to get there. But uh, yeah, small toilet doors. Uh, well, you haven't explained how you got there, but we'll just assume that you're there for a good reason, right? It yeah. wasn't a marathon, but it was a little bit school. Oh, dear. Um, I don't know why I'm flushing red. I'm not sure why I'm feeling panicky. Pub- Look, pr- primary schools are in a, they're situated in lots of places. <laughs> they've got usually got a hall of some description, which means that they've got a big space you can use. They're empty at the weekends. They're good venues to use for different things. The one problem is the toilets are designed for children, <laughs> which means that they are just tiny. And you don't understand... Like. I don't remember toilets being that small, but clearly they were. And the the doors, like a small, I, I guess it's because uh, the kids are dumb. Because and they're children? And like oh. the adults, the teachers need to like make sure they haven't gone head first in the toilet. I'm not sure why, but like why are the doors so small? Like as adults, definitely unusable. I don't know. I, just remember the, I, I remember we used to be able to climb over them. At primary school, because we would use the toilets more for that than actually using the toilets. <laughs> You'd lock it and climb out. Whereas adults were like always poo on company time. It's the opposite. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, make sure you're getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. Oh, how things change. Like when you're young and they're like, it's nap. When you're a child and they say it's nap time, you go, but I don't want a nap. And now it's a case of, oh, please, let me just go to bed. <laughs> yeah, working from home, the afternoon shift is a lot harder than the morning shift. <laughs> You know that feeling where the morning can go on for absolutely ages and then suddenly it's lunchtime. And I get in that and I and you get that in the afternoon, I'll find I've noticed that more so over the last couple of weeks where uh-huh. it'll be a case of, Oh my god, how can this day keep me going? Oh, it's five o'clock. <laughs> I I don't know how that happens where like there seems to be I, I think it might just be my perception of how much time is left in the day and how much I can get done with that. When it uh-huh. when it's like You've got the whole day to get stuff done now. I feel like that's a lot of pressure. Uh, so I don't get very much done. And then by the end of it, I'm like, oh, God, where did that go? I haven't got anything done. Hey, I um, find uh, the less time you got, the more efficient you are with it. I think that's why they say parents are like are super good at getting things done because they, they use all their time. Because when you have got the whole day, you're like, ah, all day. No worries. i got the reverse problem is, I guess, um, what Nat does because – She's got her full-time job and I'm trying to do my business stuff. But when a public holiday comes up, I'm like, I need every day I can get. Like the, <laughs> the month's going to happen and I need money to spend on things. So that just means with a public holiday, there's less time to achieve the money. So a public holiday when you're working for yourself is not a good thing because uh, you, you just need more time. There's always more time. And so whenever there's a four-day weekend, like half the half the home office can't wait for the four-day weekend and half the office is stressing like hell because he's thinking, I have to cram everything in these other four days to to make it happen. It's weird. Imagine what's going to happen when you have to hire people and you have to like let them have days off and stuff. I'm going to pay you to do nothing? No, pl- No, thank you. <laughs> suddenly all all this now the tables are reversed suddenly all of your nice instincts go out the window when you're uh-huh. saying when I run a company I'm going to give everyone as much time off as they want and then suddenly someone says can I have some time off no you're what your retirement why am I interested in your retirement you're going to be <laughs> you're not retiring <laughs> I won't let you a lot of the case of uh, a lot of people who are self-employed use these arguments as oh I can take time off whenever I feel like it 
or I can I am my own boss. It's interesting how it it sounds like from your experience, some of that you're just saying like that's my own worst that's my main problem. It's like I can take time off whenever I want. So I never take time off. Hundred percent. Yep. Like yeah. uh, you just have to like I've gotten to a point where I work nine to five and not weekends, but it's because I know that it's good for me. <laughs> but it's certainly more more stressful and more more intense, I feel. I'm not sure. But other people different different boats. But um yeah, you think you're like and the other thing is that you think oh, I can take off time whenever I want. But uh, who are you going to hang out with? Because everyone else works the normal hours. So you end up trying so hard to not work nine to five to get to an end where you uh, strategically work nine to five. Weird. I found that working hospitality is that you end up having to be friends with hospitality people because all your, your normal hours people, just different schedule. What's this Houston, we have a problem thing? It is uh, Houston, we have a Kickstarter problem. Have you been back on Kickstarter? I have. <laughs> it was, uh, and I'm okay with it. I've come to terms. I've just acknowledged that this is who I am now, and I, I, I have an addiction to Kickstarter, and it's now part of my life. Turns out there was this thing that happens in February that Kickstarter promotes, and Kickstarter, it has good discoverability, but I wouldn't say that it's its main thing. So when I've sold calendars, 95% of them are friends or people that already read it. It's not people browsing Kickstarter. But I know there is some momentum when a project's going good, it gets on the homepage, you know, that'll get people, they'll send an email. But they also had an event for the month of February and this turns out, was my weakness and just like how we're talking about how twitch and authors like the more people doing it the more popular it gets so this was its third year they did this thing called zine quest and turns out a year ago i had no idea what a zine was and fast forward to now i've just backed like you know it's in the span of a month 16 zines and i have zero regrets of all of them like there are this um oh there is a zine worth looking at fancy that i happen to have a zine here it's made by a person called cow texas wow i don't think i've read it you'll get there you'll get there um this zine quest though it's uh this might tickle your boat so it's either a good thing or a bad thing i didn't tell you about it it's about don't don't make me spend money (laughs) next february be careful because it'll be back even better it's a RPG or tabletop role-playing game zine quest. And what I didn't realize, like all the role-playing games started off as zines. There's a special homebrew, like indie uh, garage. Um, there's just something about zines and role They're just meant to be together in these photocopied booklets that are made by one or two people. There's just, it's, it's meant to happen. And Kickstarter is, a, is the perfect place because literally people are just spending dollars for this stuff. So like I backed 15 or so and I, it, it cost me like 150 or something. Like it's a lot of money, but it's a lot of projects, which I'm excited about. 
And so here, here's Baxter who's saying, I can't believe you spent that much on PDF copies of zines. And I also think I that- say that and I won't put it in. <laughs> <laughs> I also think that. I'm not sure how I feel about the fact that I did it, but I do like the fact that I was able to support like 15, 16 people that have made this packageable nugget of fun and all they made it for was to people to play it and enjoy it and i don't know it really ticked my boat uh, tickled my boat i'm not sure what saying i'm going for really floated my boat and uh what happened this year weirdly was that before this year i guess there was always solo games like i got you that one for um uh what was secret santa and that's pretty much all i'd ever heard of a of a solo kind of game but turns out with lockdowns and COVID and there's just been a boom of, of RPG stuff lately. Um, the, all the, nearly all the ones I got were solo ones. And so some journaling, some, they've all got a theme to them. And that was the cool thing. Like one was about, um, it's a sailboat race and based on, uh, I guess your roles and the cards you pick, uh, you have competitors and, the, the 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 random tables affect uh, the weather and you have a point system to upgrade your boat. So it's kind of like a – they're all games that use a deck of cards, pen and paper, and a set of dice. And so they're kind of like homemade board games in a sense. But, man, I did not expect to – I just did one or two and I was like, oh, that's enough. And then the problem with the month was there were two-week campaigns, but they're all staggered. So you think you've had enough, and then another one releases, and another one releases, and you're like, Jesus Christ, I'm just going to keep getting them. And you can't cancel the first ones you got. So uh, what happens is that all these people make them, and they all make money. Like they all at least get raise a 1000 bucks minimum. One raised, no joke, selling A3 it's one sheet of A3 paper that's folded up and cut to make a little booklet. It's a little technique. So it makes like, I don't know, 24 pages, something like that. But it's like a little 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 booklet like this. This Kickstarter got over $100,000. What? Yeah, exactly. And I'm pretty sure that one was about like your, your it's quite uh, niche. It's like your- your character is a spaceship and you're kind of documenting the spaceship as it gets passed from different owners. It's like a Millennium Falcon, like how it got built. It, it went through these battles, went through blah, blah, blah. That's the premise of it. It's not released yet, but um, crazy, huh? Like photocopied sheets of paper. One person uh, is going to make bank. Awesome. Awesome. I mean, it's it's pretty cool. Like, it's really good for them. Like, kudos to having a, a, a campaign go that well. That's when you mentioned about you just sort of it sort of snowballs where you bought one, you know, back to one campaign, and then it goes to another. That's that's why I had to really <laughs> just get off Kickstarter because I would go on to check on whichever whichever campaign I'd backed recently, you know, see what their update was. And then whilst I was on there, Kickstarter does what Kickstarter does, where it just says, oh, hey, by the way, you liked that. Would you like this as well? As you know, In the same way that you, a drug dealer would just say, so you, you enjoyed whatever that high was. How about you have something a bit stronger? 
So I had to stop, but I've still, I'm still waiting on delivery of some uh-huh. things. And you start mentioning Kickstarter. My, my little monkey brain goes, oh, Kickstarter. Oh, might be I know there's not an update. I get emails about them. <laughs> and yet I want to go and see what's on there and then see if there's anything interesting and try and find ways to spend money uh-huh. on things that I won't see this year. <laughs> And this was the weird thing by my latest haul because for it to ship things to Australia is dumb expensive. Like all these things were unattainable for me to get the physical copies. And I wish I could because a lot of love and care goes into the the paper choice and the colours and there's a tactileness to zines that um, is part of its beauty. But I couldn't I couldn't spend $30, $40 on a photocopy booklet. And so I'd rather enjoy many instead of one or two. But if I was in the continent or in uh, any place that hasn't been Brexited or anywhere close to anything remotely resembling another country, I could see your problem happening to me too because Amazon's bad enough. Book depositories, book depository, please. Stop giving me free shipping, please. Charge me. Make me stop. When I'm doing, if I'm ordering something, and I'll start thinking about, oh, while, while I'm here, and then you end up ordering more things. That means I start trying to back things up to order so I can order them as a group. Mm-hmm. But then when I get to, so I'll, I'll back up a couple of things, like five things and be like, right, well, maybe I'll put an order for some stuff in. And then when I'm on the website, I'll try and think, is there anything <laughs> else that I can think of? I've already spent ages writing down anything I can think of, but now I'm going to sp- sit here and try and think, well, it'd be a shame to waste the postage, wouldn't it? Uh huh. As if, as as if I'm not, as if I'm not already getting exactly what I want, and end up buying anything else is just spending more money I didn't need to. This is like last time when I said this is exactly how my Velcro zip ties ended up being a full office productivity setup. <laughs> yeah, so it was a it was a dark hole, but it was a dark hole that has many bright lights at the end, which I'm. It's it's pretty much. The way it's going to happen is they're all got staggered releases because they're not all ready yet. So over the next six to 12 months, it's going to have these games. And the cool thing is most of them are solo. So I'll be able to enjoy it. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. I might might try to see what they're like. I'll have a game first and see if they're, they're stream worthy. But um, it should be fun. All right. I'm going to run through some of these names and you can... You can uh, See the difference because this is the best thing that I found was like they're all different themes. So most people think of like a D and D, like a fantasy Lord of the Rings style thing, and they think that's what these games are. But it could be anything. So one was courier was like uh, it's delivering packages. You're like a news, uh, an item delivery person, but you're in a like a post apocalyptic dangerous landscape. While building your reputation and becoming a legend, uh, so it's just got a theme of that. You're like a you're a, a postman in in a desolate future. Uh, Ostro was one about uh, you're like pirates and you're in the ocean and you're looting and fighting other ones. Arcane Academia that was a multiplayer. It's kind of like a magic school, like a Harry Potter style. That looks cool. A little MOBA. That's going to be one. It's like a League of Legends style MOBA game, but they put the mechanics into like pen and paper into a print at home board game style. That looks cool. Um, I'm sure you're all wondering why I've gathered you here. It's like a murder mystery night. So you play with other people and you're, you've arrived at a house and NPCs around you die. Raccoon Sky Pirates. You're all raccoons and 
you're like creating a pirate ship made of garbage that you're harvesting from people's neighborhood. Uh, alley-oop. It's like a basketball. You're a team and you manage the team and you're able to, to have mechanics to play a game and enter a um, like a fixture system. And so it's about the game on the court and relationship stat building off the court. That's cool. Talk was like a a rally a rally car apocalyptic one as well, kind of a board game ish where you're driving around. It's part of the delivery and the anyway. Lots of different themes as you can see. I think money well spent. I've no idea what your face was doing where I explained them all, but I'm presuming <laughs> I'm presuming they're all wow. That's fucking great. I mean, that sounds awesome. <laughs> it's it's sort of. <laughs> I don't know. They could be all dumpsters. Right. It's very diverse. Some of it is when you describe it. Some of it can you can either make it. You can make it sound like it's five. You can be very vague and just make it. Let me say it's a basketball team. You listen to that and go, "Well, I'm not really into basketball." But then at the same time, it's depend. A lot of it depends on how well it comes together. But there's a lot of games I have where the the pre- original premise isn't something that interests me, but the game itself does it in such an interesting way mm-hmm. that that's what sucks you in. Wrap this, this, should, we wrap, should we wrap up things? Wrap things up? Let us do that. What should I do, Baxter? Oh, shit. Uh, ooh, um, I can't encourage... I know what everyone should do. So I, I actually had... Uh, you should go and follow Copes on Twitch. Uh, Caltexas on Twitch. Oh. Is follow the right term? I don't know. I'm not down with the kids. Uh, follow, yeah. Ah, that wasn't even a, a handball to you, but thank you. I will... It's exactly what it was meant to be. I wrote it down last time. <laughs> yeah, come on over. Oh, yeah, follow. It's, come on over. Follow and subscribe. What's the difference? To, I don't know what the difference between uh, follow and subscribe. Subscription is like paid, so you'd probably go the follow. You should do that. You should do that. No, just, just, everyone should just go and subscribe to CalTexas. So it's twitch.tv forward slash CalTexas. Just make an account with Google. Like, do that quick sign up thing and then, and then give it a follow. Here's the cool thing about um, Amazon Prime, which uh, which is, so they own Twitch. Here's the cool thing they're doing, which is I'm not a owner of, I'm not a, not a subscriber to Amazon Prime, but I definitely will. As a Amazon Prime person, you get a free sub to any channel once a month. So it's kind of uh, their way of boosting the Twitch ecosystem. So like if you're a Prime um, subscriber, what you pay your seven bucks a month or whatever, you like any channel on Twitch and you can actually give them money as a uh, as a, a part of your subscription which is awesome like it's a great initiative they've got so have a look around and and, and find uh, a lot of talented people on there and give them a sub because it really makes their day that's Copes' tip of the day do you have a quote? this one I read and it's very applicable to me at the moment with the Twitch, so it's a good segue. But the quote is by someone that Mark didn't write down. They said, be brave enough to suck at something new. And I think that's great advice because I'm a perfectionist and there are many things I don't want to try doing because uh, I'll be bad at it. The only way you get good is by doing it repeatedly. And everyone starts off somewhere. So go do it. It's been a good talk, Coates. I will... It's been an episode. Catch you another episode. It's definitely... Of, of our episodes, it's definitely been one. It's been one of them, all right. I'm looking forward to turning the aircon back on. Mm-hmm.